Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Today is a special episode because with me, I have some individuals who have uh, joined me um, for my deconstruction podcast that we that I produced uh, last fall of 2021. And we are now back to kind of discuss the uh, podcast, to kind of discuss what things have changed in our lives over the last couple of months, and really just to kind of discuss some questions and some responses that we have gotten from the podcast. So with me, I have Veronica Wiley. Hi. I have Phil Van Dyke. Hello. And I also have uh, Britta Yeager. Hello. Hey guys and guys, well, thank you for being back on the show. I definitely appreciate it. I had a, I have to say, I had probably the most fun in all the podcasts I've done and all the hundreds of episodes I've done. Probably the deconstruction series has been the most fun I have had doing the podcast because each of your guys' stories were so similar and yet sometimes so unique as well. And it was just so fascinating to hear. And especially, it's, it's funny that I have the four of us in here because I think the one, constant thread for all four of us is all of us went to a Christian university and it was at that Christian university where we started to see some of those uh, cracks and kind of some of those questions were coming. So, um, so that's fantastic. So um, I know Britta, before we started the show, you said you have not had a chance to listen to anyone's episodes or even the series. So that's okay. But Anybody else? <laughs> it looks like Veronica's like, yep, I didn't do it. Phil, did you get to listen to stuff? To my credit. Actually, sorry. Oh, yeah. no, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go I, ahead. Have, I have an excuse of planning a wedding. So. <laughs> well, you know what's great? I don't to that. <laughs> you know what's great? Honeymoon listening material. Listening to my voice. <laughs> yep, that will definitely get us in the mood. Oh. That's, that's what's going on on our wedding night. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. No, wow. please. Please no. Oh, I don't know how I don't know how to respond to that either. I'm I'm shocked or I'm honored. I don't know. But. I mean, you could see if you could slip it into the DJ playlist, you know, during the reception. I think that oh, would involve okay. coming out to my dad, which would be a mistake. Oh yeah, no that that is true. That is true. Uh, Phil, so going back to you. So you were you able to listen to the episodes? I actually was able to listen to a majority of them. Okay. So. So what have so what was your thoughts on hearing people's stories, hearing kind of what were some things that you thought were kind of very similar to your own story and some things that were kind of different from your story? I mean, I think it was all very similar. There wasn't really too much that was dissimilar because I think that we all just found this discordant note within the church that we, for one reason or another, couldn't reconcile for a period of time. Um mm-hmm. And I think that in our own ways, we've all resolved it somehow. Um, and I mean, I wish I could say that I was shocked, but I mean, for the most part, there's been so much damage done that it's hard to ignore. And I'm glad that we're actually talking about it now. Mm. Yeah, great. And and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just kind of going back to thinking back to all your stories and stuff, you know, there's a lot of stories where, you know, Growing up, you either grew up in the church or you grew up in a very strict Christian environment that kind of perpetuated a lot of these things that when you finally were able to kind of get out of that culture or even that subculture, you were able to say, hey, there's some things here that 
just don't make sense or there's some things that really strike me odd. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think more specifically just the uh, Britta, I think it was your episode where he talked about where you had a Sunday school teacher talking about purity and you were like 10 years old. And it's like, wh why are we having this conversation to, um, you know, Veronica talking about, you know, being in Texas and then coming to Indiana and then coming to Anderson and just a lot of that journey and a lot of those questions you were struggling with, too. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities and a lot of hurt that we've can all been through. Um, so um, since since the um, podcast has released, it seems like the whole term of the the whole terminology of deconstruction in this movement or this culture has seemed to continue to percolate. So what have you guys experienced since recording your episode? Um, what were some things that you've seen in your own context of this uh, deconstruction movement? <laughs> well, okay. Sorry, well, no. that's a really broad question, and I'm not entirely sure. Okay, yeah, it's, so it's let me let me break it down. Deep, so it covers a so, lot. Yeah, so yeah, let me break exactly. it. Like, where do we start? <laughs> yeah, so let me let me break it down. Let me talk about some of the things I've experienced. So obviously, there's a big movement of deconstruction in on the TikTok platform. I have seen so many people uh, from people who grew up in very heavily evangelical circles. I've seen people who were ministers or pastors, people who were theologians who kind of are like, hey, here's all this stuff. Um, even like, um, even people, I think there's one pastor who goes on there and he tells a story about being a pastor of a church in uh, Oklahoma and to the point where he literally got to the point where he was ready to take his own life. Like it got that bad because of a lot of the stuff. And once he was able to kind of kind of had this moment where he was able to kind of, whether it's a, I forget how he explains it, but he started to think things clearly and just said, you know, it's not worth it, you know, this stuff. And so then he started, and a lot of it was because he was starting to see contradictions between what his denomination and even what his congregation believes and kind of what the scriptures say. And those two worlds were doing this. And he's like, speaking on what he felt like was truth from the scriptures. And yet he was getting criticized and even getting, um, you know, I guess threats of getting fired because of it. And it was just becoming a very toxic place for him. Uh, we've seen people like uh, John Cooper from Skillet, who has condemned this uh, deconstruction movement saying it's evil. Uh, I've seen people who are, basically saying that de the opposite deconstruction's healthy and it's a great way to kind of really sort out stuff and try to find out what you truly believe and what are the things you believe within your faith that are essentials and things that you hold true to. Um, and then all the other stuff is just kind of filler and it's stuff that you kind of uh, throw away. And then I think the most recent one is there's somebody who's in the season of deconstruction and they're kind of like, they feel like they're floating and they're like, okay, when, when do I get to land? When do I finally get to kind of get through this season? Cause I feel like I'm just kind of, you know, floating and I just want to find a foundation that I can plant yourself on. So those were kind of the things that I've experienced. And it seemed like it was all over the spectrum. Some people who were pushing hard against it, people who are embracing it and people who are kind of in the middle. I feel like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, deconstruction is not like a new thing you know like mm -hmm. people this is a 
very, I feel like, <laughs> honestly, I'm not really sure how anybody gets to adulthood having grown up in the church and not experience some form or other of deconstruction, even mm. if it's just a minor one day, you know, do I really believe this kind of thing? I, I don't, I don't know how you could possibly establish exactly what you believe without questioning what you've always been told mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean it and it's healthy like you yeah. should, like if you can't sit there and say like why do i believe the things i do then you're just following on you know the belief system that somebody told you to and you're not really taking those evaluations for yourself mm-hmm. yeah. right and that's how like cults are started or like that's how genocides happen that's how you know what i'm saying like the second you stop critically thinking about things is the second you are able to be led into incredibly dangerous situations yeah and and you bring up and you can bring up a good question because there was uh, one episode it was uh emily's episode where she talked about how she felt like that the modern church was very cultish um, and you know, I, uh, there is a, um, I forget what there's a podcast called cults where they explore all the different cults and they really talk about it in two parts. One is how the cult was formed and the leader, and then the people who kind of bought into this cult and a lot of the similarities were, and a lot of the things they say about cult is you either have a leader, like more of a charismatic, strong leader, and then you have um individuals who kind of buy into the product but then the third thing is that once you buy into the product you're not allowed to question it you're not allowed to leave or even if you're, you know you have to and even that you have to cut yourself off from your family cut yourself off from any type of literature and i think that third part is kind of a tricky one because i don't really think that there's people who are saying well don't talk to your family don't do this and kind of pull you away from all that but I think what a, at least in the modern church, what I do see is pastors who basically say, oh, if someone wants to challenge me or challenge the church or, or want to, you know, say, hey, why is this bad stuff happening? Then you kind of get excommunicated. You kind of get, you, you kind of not only get excommunicated, but then the church kind of makes an official statement that, well, you know, Scott left and he, because he's a heretic and or, you know, Greg Locke calling people witches or, or whatever the case may be. Like there's certain things. I, I don't think you've seen that video product of, by the way, you react. No, no, but I'm very interested in finding out what this is now. Okay. Cause I yeah. know some witches. So can we just. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, basically to sum it like up. My nephew's a witch. So what are we talking about here? <laughs> no, no, no. So, so to sum it up, Greg Locke was calling out three women in his church, calling them witches and going to like, kick them out or do something or expose them or whatnot. And mainly what you see the backstory is, is because they were calling out the questions of his uh, sexual misconduct towards them. This is also the same pastor who talks about how he's very healthy and he has a healthy marriage. And yet he ended up cheating on his wife as a secretary. And now his new wife is, was the secretary he had. So Greg Locke is a fun character to follow. If you don't already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You might want to do a case study on him. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) 
maybe the next time I'm tutoring advanced uh, psychology. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it's stuff like that, where when you look at kind of that idea of a cult, you know, when we think of modern churches, you know, you sometimes you have a very charismatic leader, someone who's very gung-ho about things. You kind of, you buy into a church culture because of, well, I like the guys preaching, no nonsense preachings really, or maybe he preaches a certain type of, has a more of a pseudo-political message that fits with my political ideology. Or maybe it's just like, well, hey, this church is growing. It's big. It has all this fancy music, kids program, youth programs, everything. So that's what I want for my family. So I'm going to buy into this and not knowing that, hey, you're kind of buying into something that may or may not be toxic for you in the long run. Um, and I, I think I've definitely been Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's <a problem laughs> with Zoom. <laughs> go, go ahead, Veronica, and then Britta, and then Phil. I'll have you weigh in after Britta. Um, I, I was just going to say, I've definitely like been in churches where they use the the verse about being unequally yoked mm. to be like, you shouldn't have close friends who aren't Christians. You shouldn't date people who aren't Christians. You shouldn't, you know. Um, so there, <laughs> I think there's a lot of validity to the idea that the modern church is very cultish. Mm, mm -hmm. I think that absolutely falls into that third category you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can see that. What about you, Britta? And I was just going to weigh in that um, the last example that you gave there was, you know, my experience. And I think we talked about that on, um, on my Mm -hmm. episode that the church that I left and then began deconstructing that, that was, uh, that was really, really similar. It was very, um, you know, super music, like fun music heavy, you know, getting into the worship service with the lights and the, you know, loud noises and um, just very, very um, hill songy, do I want to uh, compare it to? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I, I would say there's, there's a lot of comparisons there. Um, all all bad we'll just go with all bad um and uh yeah it, it you know when i left it was because it really began to feel like a cult um mm. you could not question leadership or you were asked to step out of the roles that you were in um i know people who did so and were pretty much pushed to leave the church um i know people who didn't and left the church anyway and they were then cut off <laughs> um, communication with everyone else. I don't like nobody reached out to me when I left. Um, I think maybe one or two, and I heard from them once and never again. Um, mm. The only people that I talked to from there are ones who also left, and they had really similar experiences to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, Phil. Yeah, um, I'm. There's really not a lot that's that's changed, but I, as I've been thinking about deconstruction since this, I've, I've been thinking about the problem of critical thought at large, not just within the church. And I think that um, in a very real way, we are experiencing a battle for the soul of the church. I mean, ultimately, I know which side's going to win, um, but I do know that there's this polarization going on you know from people that are deconstructing versus people who are just like not questioning anything you know um and i think that for me like 
it's really hard to find that balance of people um, or in people to be like, you know, th- these are big issues, but like, I'm going to be humble enough to, to admit when I'm wrong, you know, and being able, and, and even for me, because I'm terrible at this, because once I think, think I'm right about something, it's very hard to dissuade me, you know, and, and how do I love the person next to me who's saying something that I know is completely untrue or against the, you know, God's nature, even, you know, so, I mean, for me, it's more like, I've just been having this, this inner battle, you know, and I, and I'm lucky that I've found, you know, the church that I found and I still have a strong faith in that regard. Um, But yeah, like I just, there's a lot of brokenness going on and it's really hard to kind of reconcile that and, you know, trying to figure out how to go forward, you know, because I want to be able to bring people into my process of deconstruction and say like, well, this is why I question this, but you know, how do we have these conversations when people aren't willing to be able to think critically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and I go back is actually, I was just doing a uh, episode this morning, um, just kind of something to kind of get ahead of the curve. And we were talking about um, the topic of biblical inerrancy and the idea of, you know, is when people say, well, I believe the Bible's infallible. Is it that you truly believe that, or you believe that your interpretation of the Bible is infallible? And I well, think yeah, and that's the biggest question. And, and, and even the example, and we brought up examples like, you know, we have three different theological views of the end times, which one's the right one, depending yeah. on if you're, you know, so there's, there's, so even just simply that, cause everyone has their verses, they pull to say, well, I'm a post-millennial pre-millennial or amillennial. Um, and then we kind of talked about the verse that Paul writes that, you know, we should work out all you know, we should work out our suffer, you know, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And I think mm-hmm. when we look at that in context, you know, everything, we have to work stuff out. There's those moments where we do have to kind of wrestle with things and eventually kind of figure out where we land. There's, you know, we have to figure out that, you know, sometimes we have to be that Job and not only deal with some of the struggles that we're dealing with on the why is this happening to me? But also when people are saying, well, this is happening because you did some sin and Job's like, no, it's not like, 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 you know, even Job's like, no, what you're saying is invalid. What you're saying is has nothing to do with not only, you know, at least, well, Job didn't have a Bible back then because it's wisdom literature, but this doesn't, but basically what you're saying does not fit with the character of who God is according to Job's Mm -hmm. point of view. Um, yeah. And again, like Britta, you mentioned the whole like Hillsong, the whole Hillsong thing. And like, even now, like I've been seeing posts about this, what is it? Hillsong uncovered on discovery plus. And I've heard, had some people who are watching it and they're just like, man, there's definitely a lot of brokenness, man. There's a lot of cover-ups. man. There was a lot of nepotism that was happening in this church. And it just seems like, you know, we've gotten to a point where, at least in my opinion, we've gotten to a point where, you know, when people say the church, it's not necessarily this thing that we see organically happening in the scriptures. It's not this, these people who are eating together and worshiping God together and learning together and helping, you know, helping the poor and the widows and the orphans and stuff. It's basically, you come so you can throw your, you you know, throw your 
giving into a plate to con- continue to help build up the salary of the leadership. Or I know Veronica, when we did your episode, it was like they did a capital gains fund just for the rent of yeah. the church. And it was like, wait, what? Like just for the yeah. rent over there out in, in uh, Hollywood. And it's like, and I was blown away. Like when you said that, I was, I think that's the one time I was shocked on this entire series was that. <laughs> fun fact, fun fact. They opened a new location. I just found out about Oh, okay. <laughs> I was well, I was in uh, I was in Pasadena over the weekend, and I was like, "Oh, now they're renting out a theater, mm. like one of those like old time movie theaters." Funny you uh, mentioned that because I just found out that my old church is doing the opposite. Um, they had five campuses. They are now down to two or three. Um, and their one main campus, they are using all of the money that was going towards those other campuses and they are completely demolishing it and building like a new fancy building now because they need more electronics and that's uh, where the money should be going. Yes. From a church. Yeah. And one of the campuses that they closed, I have a theory, but I haven't confirmed it with anyone. So I don't know if I should share, but um, uh, one, of the, one of the campuses they closed was the one that I was serving at when I left, um, which was in a very um, rundown part of the city with a lot of very needy people. And the original plan was to use that to um, as, as outreach um, to help these people and there were, there were talks when I was still there of possibly closing the campus because there wasn't any money flowing into it. And mm. I, I, I was baffled. So I'm like, you, you're putting it in this area that, you know, the people don't have money. You're supposed to be using this as outreach. If you're like, if anything, you should be using the other campuses to fund it and help these people. And no, we're not getting any money, so we're just going to close it. Yeah, so, it's kind of it's kind of profit. Yeah, it's kind of a difference between building my kingdom and building the kingdom of God. You know, <laughs> like it's just like wow, that's shocking. Oh my goodness. Um, so Phil, you bring up a good point about critical thought because one of the questions that I have been asked uh, since this podcast has been aired is the idea of higher education or higher Christian education. And one of the things that have been asked is, well, is it dangerous for kids to go to Bible college because we're filling their heads with nonsense and it's causing them to lose their faith? And my response to that was, well, if the church is actually teaching things correctly, then we probably wouldn't be having a bunch of teenage or like young adults deconstructing their faith because they're not going like, Oh, I'm sitting in a Bible class and I'm learning stuff that I was never taught since the day I was born into the church to the day I graduated Mm -hmm. high school. Um, So, yeah. So thoughts on that is higher Christian education, the real problem. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I have thoughts. Okay, okay, Phil. Let's hear your thoughts. So I'm trying to be serious, guys. I do apologize. No, no, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is like you can't make this stuff up. And I know I wish that that were actually the case that people were just making this stuff up to be difficult. But 
the problem is, is I think that, um, okay, so since you guys didn't listen to my episode, I joined the Catholic Church back yep. in 2017. Yeah, because it was mm-hmm. the same year I got married. Um, so yeah, one of the things that the Catholic Church teaches, like especially about vocations, like with the vocation of marriage, like mm-hmm. the, the family life, the home life is the first church. Like before you even take your kids anywhere else, like you should be doing things that um, you you should basically be emulating the church. Mm. Um, So something that Michelle and I have done, and we we just started just before Advent this last year, we are doing this thing called Catholic all year where we, we get things from it's a company that helps us, figure out how to live liturgically and how to like go with the seasons of the church, learning about saints, learning about things that happened in scripture and stuff like that. And being able to incorporate those into like feast days and and activities. I mean, my, my daughter's three years old, you know? So like one of the things that we've been doing is we've been doing stations of the cross and, you know, came with these beautiful cards of all 14 stations. And if you're not familiar with that, it's essentially something we do on Fridays during Lent, where we go through all of the stages of Jesus' crucifixion before we get to the Easter season as a way to, to have penitential hearts as before we like renew our baptismal vows at the Easter vigil, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, is higher education the problem or are our parents and the people around us the problem? You know, because I think that, you know, and I mean, my parents were great parents and like, it's because of them that I still believe in something and be, and it's because of them that I found the, the Catholic church, even though my mom would probably be appalled to hear me say that, you know, um, but if you can't sit back and say, wait a second, like, what does this really mean? And like, why, why? And like, the other thing is, is like, why? are we just going to church on Sundays? This, this happens with Catholics too. Like, I mean, I, even, even I'm in the minority with this liturgical living, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they go to church on Sunday. They, they celebrate the Eucharist. They, some of them send their kids to Catholic schools, which aren't really much better than, you know, public schools in regards to religious formation. Mm-hmm. And then they expect that to, to be the whole, form- hang on. Oh, sorry. My daughter almost came in from her bath. Sorry about that. Um, that would have been really funny for you all. But we would have edited that out. It would have been okay. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. No uh, video, right? Because I didn't put makeup on. So no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And luckily, this is audio only. So yeah, I'll, I'll do audio. So, but yeah, like. We, we expect kids to go to church like it, like when I was in the Protestant church, Wednesdays and Sundays. That's all I did. Like I didn't really have a prayer life outside of that. I didn't really read my Bible. It wasn't until I became a Catholic, believe it or not, that I actually read the whole Bible and not just the Protestant Bible, like the Catholic Bible, which is bigger, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and that's not to put anybody down specifically but like it's just this problem that we have that like oh you know we're we're in this in this like culture that says you know everything is permissible even in church you know 
mm-hmm. and we don't like we don't take time to really like reflect on the things that we're doing or we don't really take the time to 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 work out our faith with fear and trembling and i think it until families can come together and start saying no we're going to live intentionally we're going to live what we believe like of course kids are good. like that, that happens to kids that don't even go to church like they'll go and they'll like they'll find out about find out about critical race theory oh my gosh like it's not it's not the devil to learn something new it's it's and it's it's not evil to question things the evil thing is to like completely disregard other points of view and i think at least in some respect some colleges are still doing the good work of helping people question what they already believe and i think it's it's very much needed yeah and i would and i would say that like you know two two thoughts uh phil like it, it's so fascinating when people talk about discipleship and just the topic of discipleship and they think, well, discipleship is the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher, of the youth pastor and the pastor that we see on Sunday or Wednesday. <coughs> and that's mm-hmm. the only time discipleship happens. And it's like, well, you as a parent, like I'm with my kids, even when they go to school, I have at least four to five hours with my kids before they go to bed. When I take my kids to church, they have one hour. So who can do better discipleship, the Sunday school teacher for that hour or the mom and dad who can do it four or five hours each day or even just do four or five hours one day can be the difference. And then the thing about higher education, I agree with you because even when I think about my time at Anderson or, or even our time at Anderson, I mean, sitting in introduction to Bible and hearing about, and even I think I remember uh, Dr. Burnett saying, saying, hey, you know, the KJV says Mary was a young girl and the NIV says it's a virgin. And just that simple question, okay, is she a young girl? Is she a virgin? And how that question alone threw so many people in a loop that a lot of people not only dropped the class, but they ended up leaving Anderson because Anderson wasn't Christian enough. And mm-hmm. I thought, and for me, I saw it as a way of like, okay, I never thought of this before. Let me think about it. Let me explore it. Let me study it. And then I will draw my own conclusion on if I believe if, you know, Mary was a virgin or not. Or if, mm-hmm. And I think it's that sort of thing where, like you say, you know, it's, it's when you have a new idea presented, you could either reject it or you can go, okay, let me critically think about this. Let me explore it. Let me try to understand it. It's the same thing with people. You know, mm-hmm. if, if there's, if I'm dealing with somebody like here in the South, I mean, the whole taken down the Confederate monuments and black lives matter, like huge, huge, like, oil and water situations about that and yet sometimes there's a part of me that goes well i may not understand the whole blm thing so i'm going to find out about it and then once i find out about it, it's like okay it's not as bad as everyone's making out to be and then the people who are like oh don't take down our monuments i've talked to them and try to understand their point of view and it's like okay i i, I understand why they're getting upset by that you know, as a, if I was still living in Ohio, I think it's weird. I'm living in the South. I go, I understand it. Do I agree with some of the stuff? There's their justification for having these monuments up. Absolutely not. 
but at least I'm able to understand them better and be able to have mm-hmm. good conversations with them and even help them think about the other side of the, the other side of the story to that and not see things through their own lens. Um, yeah. So that's the, uh, yeah. So when it comes to, you know, the whole higher education, what Veronica, do you think higher education is a problem? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had like kind of the opposite experience, I think from you, Phil, because I, I, it was an everyday thing for me. I mean, I mm. literally lived in that freaking church. Like the only day yeah. I didn't go into that building was Saturday. Um, and even then sometimes I did. So mm. uh, I don't, uh, it, was, it wasn't just a like, oh, Sunday morning and Wednesday evening thing for us. Um, and I do think my like for me, at least like my parents, I, they did their best, you know, to model and they still do their best to model what they, what they believe. Um, but I think, I think an, another, another, another aspect to it is, is when the, when the parent, like, there's just so much that isn't taught, you know what I'm saying? Like so yeah. many people are so ignorant about so many aspects of not just you know christianity and the bible but like all religions right like we don't you know it's i think it's important to educate like scott was saying educate ourselves about the other points of view Mm -hmm. um you know why do hindus believe what they believe why do you know followers of islam believe what they believe or followers of shinto believe what they believe right Mm -hmm. um and i think like higher education opens us up to those points of view. Um, whereas we wouldn't have necessarily gotten them otherwise. I think for me, what, what did it was being cloistered in that kind of society where all my friends, I use the word friends very loosely, (laughs) Um, all the people I knew basically were involved in that church. Um, and when I finally did become, you know, exposed to like the outside world um, and found out it was, it's, it, yeah, that was what did it for me was like, hold on, there's this whole other, not just one other like set of beliefs, but like millions of other mm-hmm. sets of beliefs. I don't know where I was going with that, except I think the church needs to do a better job of educating its people. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, then when you find out, oh, no, Moses didn't write the first five books of the Bible. They were actually written thousands of years later. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like go, you know, to your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting thing. And I think kind of the idea of, I mean, even sometimes, I mean, even as a pastor, I've gotten flack because I'll kind of say, hey, like, especially when I was teaching, doing a Bible study of Genesis, I was saying, hey, here's an old earth view and here's a young earth view. And here's kind of the pros and cons of both views. And you guys have to figure out what you believe. And I think there is some point where people are like, well, no, pastor, you got to tell us what we need to believe. And I'm thinking, 
that's <laughs> that's, that's a lot a of really weight. dangerous perspective to have. That's a, that's a very dangerous perspective. And sometimes there's it been times where I've had so arguments on you, you know, it is. it's weight and pressure on you. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of pressure on me because now my, now someone else's basically someone else's faith view, someone else's um, view of how they see Jesus or how they see salvation, grace and mercy, uh, sin, forgiveness, like all these big theological terms that kind of help shape our faith. Like that's solely not based on the scripture. That's not solely based on God and Jesus and their character. That's only based on me. And if I'm actually reading this book correctly, and if I'm interpreting it correctly, it's also like leaving themselves with the responsibility of the whole thing, right? Like, Oh, I don't want to take care of my soul. You do it for me. And that's dangerous (laughs) because I can't get you into heaven. I have no power (laughs) to get you into heaven. I didn't die for your sins. <laughs> so, yeah, Britta, uh, higher education, good or bad? Uh, well, um, <laughs> um, I feel like I had a very, I feel like I had a very similar situation to Veronica. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, we lived in what we so lovingly called the Malone bubble <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it was, it was very much like that. We lived in a bubble. We went to you know, we went to our individual services on Sunday morning, sometimes Sunday night. We had chapel two to three times weekly. We had mandatory um, Bible classes that we had to take. We often participated in weekly like Bible studies um, at the churches we attended. We had floor Bible studies. I mean, it was just constant bombardment <laughs> um, of you know, biblical literature and, um, reading that. And, and at the same time, it was while I was, you know, basically being force fed all of this, that was still the moments when I started questioning the most because I was reading it and going, well, hold on, wait a minute. Um, I don't know that I agree with this. And, you know, then you're met with, well, you know, that's a sin to disagree with it. (laughs) Um, and, for me, it, it didn't feel like it. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, like you're, you're being given all of this material that the, that that the religious higher education tells you that you need to, to learn to be a good Christian. And then that's what sparks your, uh, your curiosity. And then you end up like me and leaving the church and, uh, ultimately deciding to be agnostic. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can have very different effects. Um, you know, reading the same things, hearing the same messages, but we're all interpreting it differently. So I, I don't know that it necessarily, that higher education makes that difference. Mm. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so, I would, oh, go ahead, Veronica. I was just going to say, just to clarify my previous statement, when I, the, the experience that I had where I was like living in the building, that was my elementary school and also my church growing up. Okay. It was actually at university when I started learning about how the Bible was constructed over the thousands of years that it was. That's when I was like, oh, this is actually contradictory to everything mm. my church has ever taught me. Gotcha. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. It was the higher education oh. that actually like helped me kind of like, I guess it shook you around. It helped me help. Yeah. It, it helped me kind of like, um, 
start thinking critically yeah. about that kind of stuff. I just wanted to clarify. I was, I don't yeah. think I was clear earlier. <laughs> oh no, that that's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's, you know, for me, it's fascinating because I feel like, like, again, I don't think higher education is a problem. I think how, when you do confront, have questions, how people respond to those questions will help shape kind of where you're going to end up when you do go through a deconstruction process. I mean, you know, it's always the same thing where it's like, well, where, where's the dinosaurs in the Bible? And then, you know, the response is, is either, or at least most responses from churches is, oh, well, there are no dinosaurs in the Bible because dinosaurs aren't real. And it's like, well, I'm looking at a freaking T-Rex skeleton in this museum. I'm seeing dinosaur bones. What do you mean they don't exist? Was this like created out of like plaster of Paris? Like, like what is, like, what is this? Like, like, right up there with like flat earth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, or, or so there's certain things where it's like, and I feel like when you have um, higher education, it kind of helps you work through that. But even like, and I'll just say something practical. Like, I'm a big gamer. That's not a surprise to people. But I was playing, <laughs> I hope not. But I remember for the Super Nintendo had Final Fantasy VI, and I love playing RPGs. And I was telling my friends about this awesome game and that you can like shoot fireballs and do magic. And I remember I had my youth leader tell me that what I was doing was wrong and sinful because I was conjuring evil spirits because I was playing a video game that had magic in it. And I remember crying and I was crying. I went home after that Sunday and I was crying and my dad was like, what's going on? Like you could tell I was upset. And I said to him, I said, well, I was told that I can't have to get rid of my game that I just got for my birthday because I'm worshiping the devil. And my dad goes, wait, what? <laughs> and I told, I told what was said. He goes, let me ask you a question, Scott. Do can, can you shoot fire out of your hands? And I go, no. <laughs> He goes, when you play that game, do you get really angry and you feel like a, something's like evil's coming from you? I go, and I'm looking at my dad like he's the weirdest person in the world. Like, no, dad, you're you're dummy. And he goes, well, then I think it's okay. You can play that game. I don't think you're conjuring any demons or anything. I think the game's fine. If, you, if you're playing something and you start feeling something or you start sensing something that's evil, then you might want to stop. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the game that you're playing. And he just left it at that. And it's like, oh. And I felt like if my dad would have went the opposite way and go, yeah, you need to get rid of that game. I didn't realize that it's magic. Oh, you're, 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 you're a Satan worshiper or whatever the case may be. And then I go to higher education and I find out, oh, all this, all this denied myself, all this stuff that was actually okay, but I was told it was not okay. It was going to probably have a, I, my trajectory was going to be a lot different because of how people, handle when kids ask questions you can either ignore it and say don't ask such questions which i think a lot of churches go that route or you just say well you shouldn't think like that because that's bad thinking and then you find out later like no you're just denying you just weren't equipped a they weren't equipped or b they just don't want to take the time to really answer some of the hard questions and i think that's kind of a big thing when it comes to higher education and i think even for me not only my experience at a Christian university kind of helped shape things. But I would say probably one of the most influential 
things for me when it came to other cultures and other religions was being in the theater department and doing sound design for Stone Girls Dreaming. Like that show probably did more shaping of my, how I view the world and how I view um, religion and especially Christian or American Muslim relationships and even maybe Christian Muslim relationships. Like that whole show in itself, me working on that, probably did a lot more educating of me than me paying you know, the sit in a Bible class. And yeah. I think that's why, and I think sometimes, you know, even with the, uh, I mean, I, like I told everyone who's listening, I almost missed this uh, Zoom interview because I was watching, uh, I was watching uh, Turning Red with my kids and just the controversy that was bringing out. And part of me goes, well, I understand why people are getting so bent out of shape because art is powerful. And I think sometimes art can, I mean, how many people were, I mean, seriously, I mean, I remember being at Anderson and going to the theaters to watch Passion of the Christ. And I watched that and that moved me too much. Like I bought the film, but I've never watched it since. Like, it's like one of those films I can only watch one time and I will never watch it again because it's just kind of a, it's, it's one of those moments that you have to see it, but I can still have that same moment watching like drive my car. And watching that and being moved to that or watching Parasite or or any other film, you know, there's certain things that you can learn. And I think sometimes art can be a great teacher where can be a better teacher than a textbook and a scholar in some in some instances. Yeah, um, there's a reason that the Greeks put the theaters next to their temples and the Romans put their theaters next to their uh, political centers mm. as art is powerful. Yeah. And even in the Middle Ages, where we start having uh, the the shows within the churches, or I can't remember the the what, what was oh Veronica, oh Ron's going to kill me. I don't remember any of this stuff from art history <laughs> theater and, and all that. Like like I want to say like the Hall of Mirrors, where it was like you could like walk and look at the stained glass windows, and it tells the story from creation to Jesus's ascension, and you can just oh. like see that through the stained glass or the when they yeah. would have the um, when they would have the um, carts that would go around during the festivals, and you could hear the story. It's like, oh, I want to see the creation story. Oh, I'm going to go see the hell one. Oh, I'm going here now. I'm going to go see this one again. You know, yeah, the morality a, plays. The morality plays. Yeah, thank you. I'm. That's why you got a good grade in in that class, and I did it because <laughs> I don't remember anything. Um, so kind of the wrap up this whole thing, you know, where are you guys at now? Are you, are you kind of feel like you're at the same place you are when you record this episode? Do you feel like you're kind of moving in one direction or the other direction? Do you feel like you found a foundation somewhere? Do you still feel like you're kind of floating and you're still kind of trying to figure things out and trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to put your feet at on this continuum of your uh, faith journey. And Phil, I'll go ahead and start with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely had the foundation because like I said, like when I started the deconstruction process, I was like, what is the foundational truth? And that is that, you know, God is all powerful and God is loving and that he, he knows what he's doing. You know, it's, it's everybody else that mucks it up. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I finally found a church, not, a perfect church. I mean, as I'm sure that there are plenty of people that will point out all of its failings. Um, 
but I have found a robust community of people who are living in faith and in love in a way that I have never seen before, you know, and, and I think that along with, you know, just being able to kind of connect to your smallest groups of influence as possible, like being able to live humbly and love others is the best way to kind of facilitate this deconstruction process because quite honestly like if you're not deconstructing like you're not growing you know because there has to be some dissonance because without that there's no growth i mean the only way that that's not the case is you know on the other side of heaven you know when we when we have all the truth revealed to us you know and and i think that I'm lucky in that sense. And I love talking about that. Um, I'll talk about it all the time. Um, but yeah, I think that I'm, I'm going more and more into my faith, which is something that I would have scoffed at as, you know, a teenager or a young adult now close to middle age. I'm, I'm really relishing the fact that I'm finally able to actually grow in a meaningful way. Good. Good. What about you, Britta? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with what Phil was saying that, um, if you're not deconstructing, you know, continually, you're really not growing. Um, I will say that I feel since I reached, you know, it took me about two, two and a half years to like land on agnosticism. And I feel like I've definitely started slowing down a lot more in my deconstruction, but definitely not stopped. Um, and I, you know, in that slow growth, I've been feeling a lot more um, peace with where I am, which was something that I, you know, I struggled with uh, during all my years in the church. I never really fully felt at peace with a lot of things. Um, so right now it's just been, yeah, it's been a really slow growth, um, kind of relishing that, that peaceful, easy feeling that I've, um, finally discovered. And, uh, and then also, um, uh, dealing with the, you've been on my heart messages from, from you know, the, the standard, uh, the standard messages you get when you leave the church. So I've, uh, I've, gotten an influx of those lately and i don't know why so <laughs> my heart goes out to you <laughs> thank you i appreciate that <laughs> all right what about you veronica um i it's been kind of interesting because uh both of my parents are like uh experiencing like end of life stuff right now mm. um and so they both have been like very concerned about the state of my soul um the last couple of times that i have visited them so it's for the most part the past you know 20 years that i've been deconstructing <laughs> i haven't really like been forced to like like answer questions about it if that makes sense mm -hmm. like um yeah i i as well kind of like landed ish on agnosticism um slash buddhism slash wicca slash whatever um you know kind of like the i don't know and there's no way i can possibly ever know 
for sure. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. Um, and so sorry about that. That was uh, my Alexa. <laughs> I thought it was my Alexa. That's why I looked behind me. I was like, what in the world was that? My- <laughs> okay, short digression. We had some packages uh, stolen. And so we installed one of those like ring, like uh, doorbell things that mm-hmm. records it and it's hooked up to our Alexa. So I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Um, uh, I totally forgot what I was saying. I'm so sorry. No, I asked, you know, kind of the idea, where do you find yourself? You feel like you're floating landing. You said you, I'm trying to remember, you said something like, you know, you kind of landed somewhere, but you've, especially recently, you've been kind of asking yourself questions and kind of went from, and then that's when Alexa started talking. (laughs) So it's rude to interrupt. Uh, Um, yeah, just that, you know, for a long time, I was kind of like, you know, I can't know, I won't ever know. And I'll just like, I'll be floating, but I'll be okay with floating. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, I'll be okay with not ever really landing for sure. Um, lately I've been kind of more, um, opening it back up, researching like different religions and stuff. Um, I still don't think this one's the right one for me, but we'll find out. Okay. All right. Good. Well, guys, again, thank you so much for sharing your stories uh, when we did this back last fall. And then again, thank you for just kind of sharing where you're at now. This has been very good. And it's, I think for people who are kind of want to know like, Hey, what's going on with everybody. I think this is a great way to kind of see like, Hey, you know, you know, deconstruction's not the end of everything. It's kind of the beginning. And it's kind of the, and it's, and it's a journey. It's not a season. It's, it's kind of a journey. It's a lifelong journey to kind of go through things. And there may be some seasons where you feel like you're kind of comfortable, like here I am, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with floating. And now it's like, well, now I'm starting to open things back up or, you know, I was going here and now things have kind of slowed down and I'm kind of enjoying being here. And then there's like, you know, Phil, where it's like, you know, I could never imagine that where I'm at now to where I thought I was going to be when I was a kid or a young adult, that I didn't see this for me. And now I'm very excited with where I'm at now, where I feel like I'm really digging deep in my faith. So I think, you know, every, you know, your journeys are are valid and they're beautiful. And I thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your journeys with, uh, with me and for everybody who does listen to this podcast. Um, So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. And guys, again, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Simmons podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, And I will be definitely coming back with another episode next week. Again, I'm not sure what episode that is because I've been recording them ahead of time. I've actually been doing good and recording like a lot out. So I'm not sure when you will listen to this episode, but when you do, I hope it's able to help you with some of you who are going through a deconstruction journey and hopefully you two can maybe find some peace of mind, whether you've landed or whether you are still in that transitional stage. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.